Hello, welcome back to Out of Our Heads, a pop culture podcast from minds of Joe Bordner and professional fire ferret Nick Brotopapis. How are you doing on this fine Thanksgiving morning, Nick? I just found out it's Thanksgiving half an hour ago, but otherwise it would have been a surprise. Right. I mean, you are in a country that does not celebrate Thanksgiving. Yeah, everyone's so. really selfish here. So, <laughs> I think given the origins of Thanksgiving that maybe it's it's not. I mean, hmm. No, everyone just, they don't want to say thank you for anything ever. And they never do. So why huh. have a holiday for it, you know? In in Slovenia? There's also no turkeys. Turkeys went extinct here from people being selfish and eating them all. And so they uh Interesting. Gone. I mean that that is that is your people, so you're you're allowed to speak of them that way. They're selfish. <laughs> how how have you been in, in the past few days? I know that uh, you know, it's not really the holiday season for you, but uh I'm I'm you know, fully in Thanksgiving mode. Well, the thing about Thanksgiving is that it came really late this year, so it almost is the holiday season. And Frozen Two came out, so I, I don't right. know. I didn't see it yet, but things are feeling just just a little bit merry. I'll ha- I have to. Say. Yeah, yeah. Okay. I have not That's seen cool. Frozen Two either, but I, I imagine okay. we both we're, will we're gonna, soon. We're going to talk about it, right? I think we will in a couple okay. weeks. Good, because I, I'm looking forward to seeing it. Great, me too. I I I was listening actually. To the Frozen soundtrack, which is something I've never done before, uh, just before we recorded this podcast, and I saw on Spotify that they had the Frozen Two soundtrack, and I almost, I almost started playing it, but I, no. I didn't. No, 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 I refrained. Yeah, I've been thinking about that too. If I'm allowed to listen to the music before, yeah, I'm, I think I'm, those I'm ways are are not ethical. Yeah, you're right. <laughs> so, so I've got a thing for you, Nicholas, and boy, what a wonderful thing it is. Uh, so, so the other day, I went to see uh, the new movie uh, *Knives Out* from director Ryan Johnson, uh, who you may know from from *Brick* or *Star Wars: Last Jedi*. Uh, and the the bit of *Knives Out* is that it is a whodunit mystery story uh, where uh, this this man uh, who has this this great inheritance and and all these um all these relatives uh, he commits suicide uh, and. Uh, everyone is sort of gathered at the house, um, and there's this mystery because a detective is hired, and no one knows who hired the detective, um, and, uh, you know, he's sort of setting out to find out. Sounds suspicious. Where'd this detective come from? <laughs> if no one hired Well, that's the thing. <laughs> that's the thing. No one knows. <laughs> he's guilty. <laughs> and so the, de- the detective is going and trying to find out uh sort of you know what's going on here what was was this man murdered uh uh you know uh did someone in the family murder him uh and so there are a bunch of different characters um the the main one that we follow her name is Marta and she's um she's sort of uh the 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 guy who died's nurse um and she is the only character really who's not part of the family uh, and so uh, there are a bunch of twists and turns that this movie takes after that that I, I don't want to spoil because it's absolutely part of the fun. I went into this like not really knowing anything, and I think that I had a much better experience for it. Uh, it's it's a it's a really good movie. Uh, and so instead, I'd like to share with you the trivia that this is the movie that Chris Evans was filming while he was not attending our high school graduation. And I'd like to go into that story. <laughs> I don't even know that story. <laughs> I've not heard that. 
what are you speaking of? Well, so as you know, uh, there is a person who attended our high school who, whose name I will not disclose, who was a close relative of famous actor Chris Evans. Um, and he was uh, sort of up in the air about whether uh, Mr. Evans would attend our high school graduation this past uh, uh, summer. Wow. Uh, yeah. And Was this like you a question? I didn't, I missed this. <laughs> <laughs> this was something that, that almost happened, but, you know, for, for, you know, probably wasn't going to happen, but for the sake of the joke, I'm, I'm playing up as a thing. <laughs> but the important part is that Chris Evans was in Framingham filming this movie, I believe. <laughs> At the time of our high school graduation. <laughs> nice. Yeah. Actually, one of the things that isn't a spoiler about this movie that I can go into is that it's set in in Massachusetts, and that is just a delight to watch as as someone from that area. Yeah, sounds good. I'll, I'll probably definitely watch that. It sounds like yeah. um, Agatha Christie books, which I enjoy a lot regularly. Yeah, it's it's really good. It um it takes some really interesting turns and. Uh, it's also got like I think some good stuff to say about the world that we're currently in, since it, it's very much a movie that's like infused with a lot of present day political uh, ideas. It's a lot of layers. Yeah, it's a lot of layers. Okay, like a uh, like an onion. Like an onion. Okay, that's uh, one that I'll definitely watch soon. It's got a good name too. That's a good name. Yeah, it's great, and the way it comes up in the movie is just a fantastic line. All right, well, uh, my thing is uh, is going to be a little little earthquake for you. Um, okay, uh, Dragon Prince is my thing. The Dragon Prince season three, which I, to be fair, have not finished. Um, huh. I watched the first episode when it you know came out, uh, and then I was like, this isn't so great. And I was like, I remember now, this isn't so great. Um, and I don't look, I never went back and watched the first two seasons and they're so short and like, like they're nine episodes that like, I just ate them all. I gobbled them all up each time <laughs> they came out. So I don't actually remember my opinion that hard about the last two, but I remember them not being that great. I remember them being like, all right enough. So I kept watching cause they were easy to gobble up. Um, <laughs> and, and sometimes getting used to the animation, um, so I, I, I watched the first episode when it came out cause it was like, ah, it's, it's, it keeps popping up on the Netflix. So, um, so yeah, I watched the first episode and then I stopped for a while. And then this morning I woke up really late cause I stayed up really late last night and I, I was like, Hmm, what should I do? What should I do? And I was like, I don't feel like moving from this bed. So I, I was like, okay, I'll watch the dragon prince. And then I got hooked and I watched like three or four, I think. Um, and those were like all very, they increasingly good. Um, and they, I don't know, it, it started feeling really warm. I really like uh, Rayla, which is the only reason I kept watching the first. Two. I remember telling myself that. And she's a, she's an is elf she lady. The, um, the elf lady. She's the, the, the female character in yeah, the show? She's the elf lady. Right, she's an elf. A nice little uh, Scottish accent. Um, yeah, yeah, I remember now. I've, I've only seen the first three episodes of Dragon Prince, after which I, I promptly fell off the show. She's funny and kicks ass. She's she's cool. Um, nice. Um, I'm not allowed. Yeah. And then um, and then the guy, the main guy, who's sort of just a wimp, he's not up to much, but he starts saying some funny things more. Um, there was a, I'll, I'll just say that there was a funny reference to Avatar out of nowhere. I didn't see it coming at all. He... <laughs> 
Huh. This this lady, this third character in an episode, it's like leaves those two alone because they're traveling together to uh, deliver the Dragon Prince. Um, and she's like, "Hey, don't touch my stuff." And I was like, "Well, what's up with their stuff? Are they, is it the plot of this that they're going to touch her stuff and screw something up?" And the only thing that comes of it is that <laughs> said this guy who's he, he turns and he he looks at this weird object and he's like, "Something so familiar about this." And I was like, "What the hell's going on?" And he was like, "Boomerang." And it's it's because the kid is the same voice actor as Saka, and I, I laughed a lot. Um, That's really yeah. good. <laughs> yeah, so they started doing funny funnier things. I don't know. So the jokes are pretty hit or miss. And then there's a lot of like, oh, check this out. It's cool world building, right? And I'm like, ah, like I can see you trying. You know what I mean? Like it's cool, but I can see you trying behind the scenes. Um, yeah. Uh, there's a lot I of remember that. being generally unimpressed with Dragon Prince, which is part of why I fell off so early, but it, it's, yeah. you know, it's possible that it picked up later. I mean, that's kind of what I was hoping for. And right now I'm telling you the things that picked up in the last few episodes were they did, they, they, they pumped the romance to 10 between Rayla and, and the kid who is not Sokka. Um, they pumped it to right. 10 and I heavily started, I enjoyed it heavily. Um, uh, and then they, they started going to like more interesting locations and moving between them faster. Um, those two. And then the other thing they did was take my least favorite character, which is the little boy with the, with the toad. You remember him. His name is mm-hmm. Edward. He's got a toad. Um, he's really annoying. Um, but they, they, they took him away from the, the main group, which is those two. And they sent him back home to be king. Uh, huh. <laughs> and that's his plot this season, at least so far, is him like struggling to make big boy decisions because he's a little, little boy. Uh, and there was one episode with that that was really interesting, uh, and I was like, "Wow, this is kind of big." Um, and it, I don't know, it felt like a very unique character moment because I don't know, you don't see that a lot, but I feel like that's something that happens in history a lot, where where you know children are are made to be leaders. And I liked I liked seeing hmm. that and his like high court like play around him. Uh, I don't know, I like that he like does a good job, but like obviously isn't like they don't play it up that he's like, "Oh, he's so cool." Like. He comes in and he's so reasonable because he's a reasonable, good kid that he saves the day. Like he, he fails a lot. Like it's good. The way they do it is good and it's interesting. Um, and then uh, there was a weird part with that also, but like I, I don't know. I was going from like not liking it that much, to liking it a lot, so I can't complain. And the other cool thing that I have to mention, because not because it's important, but because I think it's so cool, um, is that the, the bad guy in the series is in prison at the beginning of the series. But there's this little caterpillar that like crawls around his ear and, and tells him in, in a deep voice what to do and he's like he's like quiet like and he just like chills on this guy's ear um and i i thought that I, we were going for the assumption that no one else could see it but another character mentions it so this dude's just going around with a caterpillar on his ear it's great like like, and, like mr mind he's like don't watch it um and then the caterpillar is so creepy and it it like crawls in and out of his ear and like touches his eyeballs it's 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 just really cool um and i like it a lot and every time when it came back this season i was like oh yeah it's cool that's why i'm watching this show Uh, (laughs) anyways it picked up and it started feeling a lot more like hey i care about all these characters and they're doing interesting things and the world is cool and like like all the things that you you probably thought when you looked at the series at first you're like hey this could be cool like it started being that show that you imagined when you saw the oh wonderful yeah do you know if there was um a regime change at all in like the the creative staff on the show? I don't think so. The only name I recognize and like re recognize is Aaron something, 
who worked on Avatar and is like the creator of this show. Um, and his name continues to pop up. So I'm not sure what's changed. I think the plot just changed. You know what I mean? Right. I think they were just like, they're building it up. So now Miley's favorite character is doing an interesting thing. And, you know, two other characters are, start, you know, is more fun for me to watch. Uh, and the world's getting bigger. Like it's just, it's just escalating and they're, I guess, getting used to the writing. I mean, if you think mm-hmm. about it, it's sort of young, you know? Um, and they seem to churn them out pretty quickly. Right. So, a young show. Like they're, they're still rolling into the groove of their writing, maybe. Seems to me. Yeah. You know I mean, a lot of the um, animated uh, Netflix shows uh, in that style, like, you know, She-Ra or Voltron are like, you know, they come out in little batches in many seasons. Yeah. Oh, you're right. It may be maybe a Netflix thing. I don't know. Yeah. It I think I think part of it may just be like they 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 send off like a certain number of episodes we made and then they just put them out whenever they happen to be done with those episodes. Yeah. What do you do you remember the deal with the animation in this show because it's it is still a little distracting. Um it's um that was that was one of the reasons that that it kind of put me off is that like it, it in this um <laughs> in this sort of cell shaded like three-dimensional style uh but it's it's extremely choppy in a lot of places uh which so what, what bothered is, me a ton be, it, it must be 3d animated with lines right that's what it is yeah i think so okay. all right that makes sense they, they started doing a couple of different things this season i think don't take my word on it but um some of the objects started being just drawn and I enjoyed them more. Huh. Bread. I was like, hey, that's a good piece of bread. I like it. Because some things in the show... I remember there cool. being some of that in, huh? in the early season. Yeah. I don't know. Like, some things are really cool. Like, the dragon... The things with lots of detail look cool. Because you can have that much detail. Like, the dragons. Or, like, mm-hmm. some fabrics. <laughs> but, but sometimes it's just bad. I, I don't know. <laughs> you know? Yeah. All right. Anyways... That's my thing. Uh, I'm really excited because it got me as hyped as I am watching, like rewatching Avatar, and I was like, "God, ah, cool!" And I'm right. really, I'm glad that it's new. That makes it exciting too. Um, anyways, yeah, a, a fun thing we've we've both been doing independently is is just sort of rewatching Avatar. <laughs> it's great. It's so great. I like forgot. like we did we did not come to the decision to do this together, but um, I just finished season two this morning. Oh, nice! And it's a, it's fantastic. Yeah, I'm like halfway through season three. Nice. I just eat them. I eat it up. It's so easy. You could probably watch all of it in a day. Is the bad thing about it. You can just. I um. There there was a time last summer where I watched a significant portion of season one, and it was all I did that day. Yeah, I think last time I actually got sick and stayed home from school. I did that. (laughs) But I don't get sick often. I should get sick more to watch Avatar. Anyways, it was probably because we talked about the comics so much. That we're both doing. Right, yeah. So, uh, uh, speaking of which, uh, yeah. would you like to move on to the main event? I would like to. But I would like you to tell me what you think of it first, because my emotions are mixed and, and, and all over the place. Okay. So um, we're talking today about um, Avatar The Last Airbender, Smoke and Shadow. As per usual, it's uh, written by Gene Yang, and the art is by Girihiro. Uh, so... You know, jumping off of that, I, I before we even talk about the plot, I, I, I love the art in this one. Like, I, I'm always a big fan of Gear Hero, but this is the first time in reading these Avatar comics where I, I, I've seen the art and I've gone, wow, this is as good as their current stuff. And, like, it's not that their old stuff was bad by any means, but it's like, you know, the, there is, like, we're entering that era where they're just at 
I believe the phrase I used in a previous episode was like the the top of their powers, their the the height of their powers, mm. uh, and it's just like really incredible to look at. And the the action scenes and the 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 character movements are are, are just fantastic. I agree. I the action scenes take a step up. I can actually enjoy them now. Uh, where mm-hmm. previously it was like, huh, sounds like they had to write this action scene. Uh, and here are my OP characters, <laughs> OP and all over the place. Um, <laughs> Uh, so yeah, there's scenes in this where I actually really like the action. Although there's one little thing. Yeah, there's, um, um, there's a, there's a scene, there's a page at the beginning of, um, of book three where Tai Lee as a Kiyoshi warrior is, is fighting, uh, a a character that appears. Um, and it's just like, it's got this incredible line of action to it. Um, and that, that's just wonderful to look at. Um, about Tai Lee lately. Because I watched that episode where they all go to the beach, <laughs> and Tylee's whole—I th- never—I don't—I this never came across in my mind before. But Tylee's whole thing is that she's got like five identical sisters, six identical sisters, and she doesn't. She wants to be acrobatic, so she's different. You remember that bit? I, I do. I do. So why did she join the Kyoshi Warriors? <laughs> They're. I think know, they they did a um. A free comic book day special about that um which i read recently because i went through all the free comic book day stuff Do they uh, I, I i think they they attempted to justify it uh by saying that like you know the kiyoshi warriors are a place where she can still kind of be unique mm. <laughs> it's weird <laughs> it's a little I, odd i think like me the writers <laughs> forgot about that in that little bit at the end i of mean the- at the same time i i think a lot of tai lee had like her arc is like at first she started off kind of like worshiping azula um mm. so so she's i mean i i think she's someone who like kind of looks for a place to belong okay yeah all right i'll, I'll bite because you know one of one of the things in the early seasons of the show that we see often is like Ty Lee just basically going, "Wow, Azula, you're so cool." Okay, like that I'll was bite. a that was a great thing you did there, or like you know that sort of thing. I'll bite. I don't I don't spend a lot of time thinking about Ty Lee, but that that was a good mm-hmm. that was a good bait, Joe. I'll bite. I've been <laughs> good. Um, great. Um, so we should we should talk. It's good. It's yeah. Anyways, yeah. So, so the the um the bit of this of of uh, smoke and shadow is it takes place in part between the search and the rift, um, or at least the beginning does, uh, where we have um, uh, kind of actually, could you describe it? Uh, sure thing. So, first part starts off, and it's um, what's going on in the main gang is that Zuko's going home with his new family, and they're gonna go and check out the Fire Nation. For the first time, you know, together and in this new state, um, which you know makes sense for Zuko's plot. You know, he found his mom. Uh, now he's gonna go home and you know see what he can make of this new family. And also, Aang is there, um, but just for a little. And then Aang and, and those guys leave because they got to be in the rift. Um, and then Zuko goes home, and th- this is why I sort of wanted you to give me your impressions first. But you'll you'll keep them pure. Um, sure the first part of this book feels to me very separated from the next two. Um, so the first part of this book, the plot is sort of like Zuko tries to get home with his family, uh, and a evil society that wants to reinstate Ozai to the throne. Yeah. Run by May's father, which is significant. Yes. Tries to stop him. 
And that's what the first part is. You know? Right. And then at the, the beginning and the end, we get the, these bits where, where May's father is being threatened by, like, these mysterious uh, spirit entities, uh, you know, who we later find out more about. Spirit yeah. Uh, the the uh, Kemurakage? Yeah. Yeah, that's what I say. And, like, basically, the idea is that these are believed to be a myth, and their whole thing is that they they, they steal babies. Right. So, in the first one, they're sort of like the, you know, the man in the shadows, puppet mastering all the evil things happening. Uh, and then at the end of the first one, they steal babies. Um, they steal a baby. Um, right. And then... May's little brother, Tom Tom. And then Zuko's like, oh, sh- oh, gotta, gotta call Aang, because... Because the, the spirits are here and stealing, they're stealing babies, um, yeah. And that's why this series is a little weird for me. I, I've done, you know, the times I've reread it, um, they've been sort of. Sometimes I read just the first one before I read the rift, uh, and sometimes I read them hmm. all. So it gets a little muddled, like overall what I think of it. Um, but to me, my my main like weird feeling about it is that the first part feels very separate, and the the second and third part. Uh, feel like their own thing, which is not bad, but it, it sort of leaves me confused a little bit about the plot when I'm re- like I'm just like a little bit disjointed. Does that make sense? Sure. So as I I I didn't really have the same issue. Like it, okay. it didn't beyond the fact that like you know the pacing is kind of weird just because we have this sense of urgency and then we jump ahead like a month later. Yeah. Um, like it it didn't bother me all too much at all. Yeah, I'm not saying it bothers me. It just sort of. I don't. I don't feel pure about my my opinions on it. Does that make sense? Right. So, so what did you think of the series? What did you think? Uh, I generally really liked it. Um, you know, we we get more. I think of of certain political comparisons. Um, I know that that Jin Yang has said in in interviews that like one of the things that draws him to the Fire Nation is like their parallels with like Meiji era Japan uh, historically, uh, and he's kind of playing into that here at least in in how like the idea that there's this faction of of fire nation people that like really believe that like strength is how a nation like accrues power Mm -hmm. um which is you know kind of the the whole bit of the fire nation um but you you get a lot of conflicts with that in zuko and like him sort of still trying to figure out what kind of leader he wants to be i agree uh which is good we also get a lot of um a lot of kind of, of conflict between Zuko and Mai or May, right. uh, just because you know, uh, in I believe it was the promise, uh, uh, they broke up and now shucks. <laughs> uh, good old Zuko and May. <laughs> uh, and so now she has a new boyfriend, uh, Kalo. Um, and what I th- what I think is interesting about that. Is that she doesn't actually like him that much, but you know he's someone who sort of treats her well, and she's kind of okay with that being a thing that she's like you know kind of in this static relationship. Well, at first she's using him to infiltrate her dad's society. Well, to get right, but but after after part one, she sort of admitted that she has feelings for this guy. Yeah, so she's she's I think she's into him just less than he's into her. Yeah, that's because she was manipulating him at first. Yeah, so it makes sense, you know. 
Anyways, now that we're talking about actually, can we, um, now that we're talking about May and Zuko breaking up, we forgot we forgot about this in the promise. But you and I have talked about it separately. What's the deal with Zuko and Suki? <laughs> oh, dude, that was one of my first notes oh, <laughs> that man. I took on this book. I mean, the promise, <laughs> There's some there's some eye winking I would even call it not just nudging there's some there's some winking at the audience of of Suko, yeah Suko and Suki having a little thing going on <laughs> I'm not saying they have a it's not thing. it's not explicit because because Zuko and Suki are, are like like Suki and Saka are like still together well, ostensibly right. no I agree um and like you know. Zuko and and Suki also have a conversation in this book at some point about, you know, how Zuko is sad that he wants to get back together with Mai or Mei. Yeah, Um, I I agree with those things, but I I also feel like, you know, in this in this in these Avatar books, where like every scene, there's no like purposeless scenes, you know. Sure. Like everything has a point. Um, Oh, it's it's definitely a thing they were building towards. Like like there are yeah. There are parts I forget if it's in in this book or in in a previous book where uh, Suki is like, "Yeah, me and the me and the Kyoshi Warriors are, are like, you know, I I'm need really you. We need that. you." I've reread that many times. It's like, "Oh man, Zuko, the Kyoshi Warriors, you know, they're really worried." And then later she, she's like on her knee. It's weird. And then she's yeah. like, "I'm really worried about you." It's weird. Um, anyway. It's like the it's like the thing they do often. I think in kids' cartoons where it's like, you know, me. I mean, we. <laughs> <laughs> yeah but it's it's sort of weird it's just it, it, i don't know it's like it's just a weird thing to do since like two of the main characters are like in a relationship like what a weird thing to imply for no reason like no one asked you to do that you know um, yeah and then in this book it's back uh so it, it, like it, it's it's deliberate it's very you know it's consistent and deliberate in this one uh zuko's little sister new little sister i don't know if that's a spoiler zuko's uh kiyi yeah she might be his sister. He thinks like she's like a sister to him. Um, she she's his uh, half sister. Yeah. Well, she she says to to Zuko, doesn't doesn't he think that Suki is is beautiful, cute? <laughs> All right. Yeah. Yeah. I I had, I had totally forgotten that scene existed where Ki is like, hey, you know, Suki's pretty cool, huh? Huh? She's pretty, don't you think? And and he's like, yeah, I, I guess. Why they do that? <laughs> um weird <laughs> um anyways um I, I find this book in many ways to be a sequel to the search um oh yeah definitely so because there, there's so much carried over from the the plot line with uh ursa right um that's yeah that's the thing i was going to talk about is that we get a lot of developing ursa in the search and it, it continues here and i'm glad to see it uh we get her you know in small scenes um dealing with two things first thing is being back in the fire nation where she was you know, abused, and she's clearly very anxious about it, and uncomfortable about it, and I, I like that. I like that idea because it would, it would make sense. Um, and her sort of learning to deal with facing Ozai, um, and then there's also a thing where she's changed faces, so Key is totally like, you know, not not happy with her, and I don't know, it doesn't treat her like a mother, which is interesting. Yeah, and I, I mean, some of those scenes are are, are fucking brutal, man. <laughs> yeah, I agree, but like, they also make sense and. I don't know I, I like them i like them. oh yeah it, it uh and it resolves itself in like i think a fairly neat way yeah. um just in that you know eventually Kiyi's you know abducted by by uh the kamurakage 
uh, and you know through this process she sort of learns you know to to want her mother uh, which is I, I think one of those weird things where like I I don't feel that like he quite developed to that point but the, like the story needs her to be there I mean I don't think she's fully like back to hey mom I love you like I don't know it seems like it's just like a small step uh, okay okay I'm cool with that yeah and I I think it it, it mostly works yeah I felt like all that stuff worked. I really like the scene between, I like all, well, the scene between Ira and Ursa. I think that's a good one because we've never seen that dynamic before, but it's, you know, it would exist. Um, oh yeah, that was fantastic. I really enjoyed seeing their interactions. Yeah. And talk a little bit about Ira's son's death. Um, and I, I just, you know, all of that, just a really nice moment. Um, and one that I wasn't really anticipating, but when I got it, I was like, wow, that makes a lot of sense. It's really nice to get. Um that's sort of one thing going on in the book. Then um, there's, you know, the, the sort of the plot of the first one. Um, what's interesting in that one for me is that um, Zuko has a, seems a little cocky to me. Just a little, like, really cocky, right? I mean, there's a, would you agree with that? Um, I'd like you to elaborate on that, because that's not something that I, I quite noticed. Well, there's a point where the, the society surrounding him and they're like, give up. And he's like, oh, you want me to give up? Why? Just because a bunch of like thugs asked me to? Yeah, right. Smirk, smirk. There <laughs> you go. Um, remember that? I do. <laughs> and then and then later, like, I don't know, he, they almost get burned. Like it was, you know, it was a serious threat. Like he, he was sort of playing, playing cool, which is right, that's a little fair. unusual, I think. Um, okay. And I, I, I like to see it because it seems that it seems that it's because he's gotten his mother back. Um, he's he's a little too confident. Um, yeah, I mean, we we also you know see him asserting more. Uh, like, I think especially in in the scenes with May, um, mm-hmm. just where he is like actively working to get her back in a way that like I, I think Azuko from like you know season two of the show would not have. Yeah, well, it's, it's it's interesting to see because Zuko is always such a you know a passionate character in the in the original show, but he's a villain then, uh, and and then since he's been you know let's say good, um, he's been more or less just a downer. You know what I mean? Like not passionate that much, just sort of a downer. Um, mm-hmm. Like when he hangs out with Aang and the gang, like he's just like oh like I'm Zuko, like <laughs> no. like you don't get to see him very often passionate. Um, since you know since when since since before since after his you don't get to see him passionate after his change is geez is what i'm trying to say um yeah that's fair and i I like to see him sort of because this is something he talks about in the promise where he's like maybe finding my mom can like help me be better and like it seems that it is um Mm -hmm. but at this point it may be a little bit too far because the rest of zuko's thing in in the series is him being a little bit too harsh as a leader right um right and even like you were saying like he's like throughout the book he's he's constantly like asserting himself and like passionate and like making making choices and sticking to them which is sort of the opposite of what you see in the promise yeah he's still he's still struggling with the kind of fire lord that he wants to be i think yeah but now he's, he's he's exercising that power in different ways Yes, yeah, uh, which I think is is a, is a cool growth, um, and I like that Zuko's flaws as a leader come out in this book a lot. Uh, when faced with this, 
well, let's say multiple threats, right? Because you got sure. the, the society and the spirits, which, you know, in the end, they're the same, but there's, there's a lot of different problems they present. Um, like, how does he treat his citizens in this crisis? Like, how does he go about, you know, investigating it? You know, all the, all, all the different aspects that this conflict bring up, basically, including how do mm. I deal with my ex-girlfriend? Uh, <laughs> yeah, you, yeah. New cool guy, Kalo. And eventually, the what we get is that it turns out that Azula is. What's this? What's this guy's name? May's new boyfriend. Uh, Kalo. Oh, okay. I thought it was Kylo, maybe, and that it was like Kylo mm. Ren. Like Kylo Ren. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, sorry to interrupt you. What were you saying? <laughs> yeah, I mean, eventually, um, what we find out is that Azula is in charge of the Kamurakage, and you know, she's basically rounded up a lot of. Uh, I think the is is the implication that these are are, uh, sort of other Round other out. women mental institution. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Which we've never seen them before, but but yeah. Yeah. Um, so that's sort of... um, so they're they're still playing up like the 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 angle kind of of like Azula's gone a little nuts. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, well, that's sort of which that's I don't really... love as a as like a storytelling trope because it, it it reduces her agency in a lot of weird ways. I don't know. Wait, wait a moment. Okay, so so this book is building up in this. First, first thing I'll say is that I think that it gets a little complicated with all the things going on in terms of the conflict presented by the society and the spirits and when we're supposed to know that they're the same, when the, when the people in the story know the same. And I think that's my main problem with the book, especially with sort of the first part. Um, in the first part, you get the spirits telling Ukano um, to dethrone Zuko. And then later, you sort of realize that that's not what the spirits slash Azula want at all. Um, yeah. I think that's my main problem with the book but we'll get into that later with my very special special segment um right so of course that, that makes it a little weird in the pacing but you know overall i'd say that the, the character stuff is good the writing's good it's it's up there like it's it i reading it again i think it's not as good as the other three that we just talked about but is more sort of enjoyable for me for like you know Zulus in the story reasons and like things like that, and like seeing the Fire Nation. I don't know, like little things. Like right. That. I mean, I I think I think my main problem with it is that it kind of puts Azula in this role where like she is in some places you can feel the narrative kind of stretching her to be just kind of the antagonistic force because she needs to be. Uh, yeah. Like like you mentioned, it seems like her motivations are just like a li- the the tiniest bit inconsistent. Yeah. Uh, even though they do like go to explain it away a little near the end yeah so getting to the end of the book i think that's the you know the other thing to talk about uh, is that like you know it's a strong book overall some confusing stuff and at the end at the end of the book you get sort of the confrontation between azula and zuko uh, yeah and the first thing you get here is azula you know explaining her motivation and her plan and like what's been going on basically how how have i azula been behind this um and it's a little bit weird. Um, it's a, it's a little it's just a little weird. So last time we saw her, she ran away into the forest in uh, the search. Yeah. And this time, 
she's dressed up like spirits that she knew that May was afraid of when they were kids. Um, and busted out her friends from the mental institution to help her be these spirits. And then, as the spirits, controlled May's dad into doing society stuff for her, um, which he thinks is for dethroning the, 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 the Zuko, but is in fact to cause chaos because Azula no longer wants the throne or her dad on the throne or to defeat Zuko. She just wants to mold him into a ruthless leader. Right. She she, um, she has this line where she says, and then in a sense, I'll be fire, I'll be fire Lord again. Like basically she wants to make Zuko not her puppet, but the kind of person who would do all the things that she would do. Yes. Which is like one of those things where like, okay, this makes sense because like these are the things that like Zuko is struggling with. So it makes sense narratively. But it doesn't quite track for me that like Azula would be at that point. Yes. Okay. In part because like a lot of these developments seem to have happened like off panel for her. Mm, I agree. Um, so my my weird prop. I, I think that Azula's weird motivation here is interesting. I think it's interesting. Um, oh yeah, it's 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 unique. Um, is what it is. Like, and I don't dislike it. In fact, I think I even like it. Um, because we left her in a weird place where she's like realize that like there's nothing she can do to regain power and there's nothing there's no revenge to be had and there's no nowhere to go right right which is sort of her you know problem at the end of the series is that she like starts punishing everyone for no reason and she like she gets crazy um but at, at the end of the search she sort of gets to a point where she's like she can't do that anymore so it's like what does she do um and then when, when she comes back she says okay She's, she's instead of like going after the throne now she's sort of backed off of that but is still you know only a little bit she's not like okay I accept this she's like I accept it but I'm gonna make you as bad as me um, which yeah. makes sense and I like I think um, the problem with it for me you'll tell me in a second is, um, is that it, it, it's just like sort of random like what, what does that even mean azula you know what i mean like her her example in this is that like think about all the evil like think about not evil think about all the ruthless decisions you have to make in this you know in the plot of this book zuko you're as bad as me i win you know in a sense and it's like is, is that her plan like like he caught you like he, he's gonna keep catching you and then at the end of the book zuko's like hey uh people of the fire nation i'm gonna try to do better um, and like, I, I sort of just like, I guess I'm interested, but I, I don't, I'm interested and I like it, but I don't believe that it could go. I, I just don't, I can't imagine where this is going, if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. Like, like, what does it mean that she like wants him to be a, a ruthless leader? Like, what, what are you going to do? Keep messing with him? Like, <laughs> like, what's your plan? Like, it seems that she should have a, a plan that is. I just, I just don't get it. Kind of. Does that make sense? Yeah, that makes sense, okay. and I'm I'm inclined to agree. I think. And then another thing is like, the technicality of it. Like, she got from that Fire Nation island to the capital how fast? And like at the beginning of the book, you get a thing where Suka's like, "We searched the valley for weeks," um, and it's like, 
did you now? Did you really stay in the valley for weeks? You're the well, I, I don't, I don't really care about that. <laughs> I mean, I care because okay, <laughs> because it's clearly just trying to like buy time. I mean, I think that line is trying to like make it more believable that Azula had time to get back. Mm-hmm. I think that, um, and it's just sort of ridiculous because it's like, did you really stay there for that long? Did the Avatar really stay there for that long? Um, and we'll get into my timeline things later, <laughs> but um, there's that. And then there's also like, okay, and then you broke your friends from the mental institution out, which we've never seen before, um, but that's cool. And then also, you dressed up like spirits. How did you, like, what? Why? Right? Why'd you do that? Mm-hmm. Couldn't you just be ninjas? Like, why'd you have to like be these spirits? <laughs> it's so weird. Um, and then like, you realize that if they weren't spirits, like Zuko wouldn't have called Aang. Like, I, it's just, and then also, okay, here's my last thing. And it's sort of like, I'm just nitpicking at it, but like, okay, the smoke? <laughs> what the heck is that? Um, is it I actually- mean, what, what I thought it was, was like either a smoke bomb or it's like a, a weird method of firebending. Okay. I, I've thought about both of those. I, I don't know which it is. I honestly don't. Um, and if it's a weird method of firebending, that's weird. Um, and it wasn't explained. And if it's a smoke bomb, it wasn't explained. And also, if it was a smoke bomb, wh- why? <laughs> why? And where did you get smoke bombs? So many smoke bombs. Do you know what I mean? It's like... I mean, I, I, I don't care about that. <laughs> all right. But, like, you see, like, all these things on top of each other. Like, it just makes the plan convoluted and weird and like why like yeah yeah my mind given that okay this is where we want azula to be as a character right for the end of this book it would it wouldn't it just be easier to be like okay azula breaks into okana's house with her friends from the mental institution and threatens him why would that be different Mm -hmm. and then why did she tell him in the beginning to 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 dethrone to kill zuko that's not what she wanted would you agree it just gets a little convoluted for me. Uh, and so reading it again, I'd say that this is my least favorite of the series so far um, because the other ones seem so perfect and flawless. And although this one's pretty quality too in terms of humor, character stuff, you know, pacing overall, like it's um, it's just the little, these little details in the plot sort of get to me. Um, yeah. I think it's, I think it's interesting to follow Zuko's arc over the course of these books. Oh, for just sure. Because That's he is like, like He's the character that's like most focused on. Hmm, that's probably true. Yeah. Anyways, like I, you I, know, the promise was like basically him sharing with Aang, and the yeah. search is all his book, and then mm-hmm. this is pretty much all his book again. Yeah. Uh, I also like just for just to sandwich some things I like also. Um, really like May in this book. I like that she gets a lot of focus. May and Tylee also in the first part. Um, I dig it. Yeah. And they feel in character. That's cool. I like I like Cabo. I think he's cool too. I thought that was. I like stuff. how. I like how with May, a lot of like her scenes are revolving around like. Just kind of, you get the sense that like she's kind of very fed up, with kind of people putting her in positions. Mm-hmm. If that makes sense. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, um, I think she's yeah. she's on on point here. Um, like I, um. Here's some other things I like. 
I, I, there was a joke in the first part about a general. He's like, all right, soldiers, be ready, but not too ready. I thought that was funny. <laughs> um, I like that Zuko bends fire that is multiple colors. That's pretty great. Um, oh, yeah. I like spirit lore. Uh, I dig spirit lore. Uh, we got some. And, and what else? And I like Azula. I like it when she's on, on page, on screen, on page. <laughs> Oh, okay. wait, another dumb thing. Wait, wait, wait. Do you remember when Azula yeah. and Super are fighting? And they make fire daggers. One blue, one red. There's, there's uh, a panel yes. where it looks like they're lightsabers. And <laughs> the <laughs> fires are, like, pushing against each other. And that doesn't make any sense. And uh, it's weird. It was a weird choice. It was cool, but it was a weird choice. I'm, I'm looking at what you're talking about right now. Yeah, and what do you... Like, do they you have see? these little, like, fire daggers that yeah. they've made? doesn't make any sense right it's a little odd but it's pretty cool the, the fires would just pass through each other or, or, i don't know like it's <laughs> <laughs> not how fire works um anyways that was a little thing um, the end. <laughs> bombs don't drop in space nick <laughs> god oh i also like that this ties in with that free comic i made you read um I think oh yeah neat and uh actually i think that something that would improve this series is some sort of short story about Azula in the background that you could read afterwards. Um, yeah. Because you don't want to mess up the reveal. Um, but I think explaining some of what's going on would just help immensely with enjoying this book in terms of plot stuff. Yeah. I, I agree. I think like see, just seeing how she gets to that point would help a lot. Yeah. Cool beans. Okay. Gene Yang's still killing it. Maybe not as much, but you know, he's killing it. Yeah. <laughs> <sighs> Would yeah. you like to move on? Straight to do with um, Smoke and Shadow. Um, anyways, I think when I first read this, apparently, uh, this is in 2016, April 4th, 2016, um, <laughs> I was 14 years old, and I, I decided, hey, um, probably had some similar thoughts to the convoluted plot that i still have today and i was like i'm confused about one thing very in the first part in the first scene the very first i think it's the very first scene uh, spirits uh Lucano is approached by the triple kage which we now talking about it, we know it's azula um and azula i'm just gonna say it for clarity says to Ukano, hey man um i need you to to get zuko off the throne um and also and then she goes away. Um, and then later, we find out that Azula doesn't want that at all. Um, she wants Zuko to be a ruthless leader. Um, so I was confused, specifically, especially by this point, and I couldn't justify it in my head, so I emailed Jin Yang, um, which, was, which is a cool <laughs> thing I did once, and talk about it more than I probably ever should. Um, and it's sort of an embarrassing email. <laughs> I won't read it all out loud. Um, but he did answer, so I'm going to read you sort of the crux of it, which I just sort of said, but... Um, you know, kidnapping children and starting riots were meant to force Zuko into making rash decisions. Okay, that makes sense. Um, I'm confused. I'm, I'm skipping parts. Um, Azula mm -hmm. tells Kano to dethrone Zuko. Why would do? Is what I wrote. Why would do? Um, <laughs> uh, why would do that if we just want Zuko to be ruthless? Um, why does Azula need Ukano at all? I think that's an interesting question. Uh, and those are, you know, if you're reading this book, I think it will help to get Jin Yang's answer as I did. Um, 
let's scroll down and skip the email sometimes. Um, but Jin Yang says, <laughs> this is a quote from Jin Yang, um, Azula needed Ukana to gather a rebellion. She doesn't think much of him, so she didn't think he would succeed, but he would be able to cause the necessary unrest to bring out the worst in Zuko, says Jin Yang. That was his one sentence. Okay. Anyways, it's not much, but it is sort of a justification, I guess, from the author that, like, all right, this is what Azula was thinking, at least a little bit. You know, she didn't, she needed his masses, maybe, his political abilities without, you know, getting out of the underworld, right? Because she can't just be like, I'm Azula. Like, you know, Okano, who's a politician, can can walk around on the streets. Um, and she doesn't yeah, trust that for me. Which is kind of weird still, but a little explanation for you folks out there who have read Smoke and Shadow are confused um, and are now listening to this. Now you can now you can enjoy your life a little <laughs> more, rest a little easier. You're welcome. Right. End segment. We show a little do 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 end segment. All right. I actually also have a wise quote for us. Um, this is not exactly a quote. We're unsure, um, but it's from. Zen Buddhism, and it's by someone probably, and I found this quote twice, so it makes me think that it's exact. Um, I'm going to read the whole thing. Are you ready, Joe? Sure. Okay. A man traveling across a field encountered a tiger. He fled, the tiger after him. Coming to a precipice, he caught hold of the root of a wild vine and swung himself down over the edge. The tiger sniffed at him from above. Trembling, the man looked down to where, far below, another tiger was waiting to eat him. Only the vine sustained him. Two mice, one white and one black, little by little started to gnaw away. The man saw a luscious strawberry near him. Grasping the vine with one hand, he plucked the strawberry with the other. How sweet it tasted. <laughs> that was it. Tigers and a strawberries, what that's called, I think. Nice. And it's, it's I, I don't know, I heard it before at one point as a question. Like, what do you do when there's tigers and tigers? And it's sort of like a joke. Like, you just eat the strawberries. Mm-hmm. The end. Mic drop. Thank you for listening to Out of Our Heads, a pop culture podcast from the minds of Joe Bordner and Nick Protopapis. You can contact us at outofourheadspod at gmail.com. Uh, my Twitter handle is at Joby underscore draws. You can read my webcomic Aeronaut at jobydraws.com. As always, Nick has nothing to promote. Uh, we'll be back next week. In the meantime, don't forget to rate and review us on iTunes. It would really help with the show. Bye. <laughs>